This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hi and welcome to the Bike Radar Meets podcast. Um, today we've got the pleasure of Giovanni Fogel's company. Now Giovanni is um, one of the head hunt shows over at Physique and we're going to talk to him about the brand, about saddle technology, about shoe technology and basically a brand like Physique, the phonetic name obviously, they're all about making the best fitting kit for all of your contact points on your bike. So hi Giovanni, how are you? Hey, hey Warren. Uh, all good, all good. Keeping ourselves fairly busy during these times, uh, you know, especially in the biking industry. But, you know, like, it's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously under these kind of much more challenging times, has that made, um, uh, has that put more challenges in the way of kind of um, development, you know, especially like interaction with, with, say, your team guys? You know, obviously you can't be present as much as you would normally. You can't be on training camps, you can't be at the races and... You know, is it how how's that communication been? Because I know it, the kind of pro involvement to key elements of the brand. Yeah, I would say during this time it's getting more intense. You know, just because like the demand is so high, and that puts a lot of challenges in different areas from supply chain at first. You know, because of like uh, availability of raw material. You know, the timing for development is just extending, but also in terms of inputs, like you said, on, on which we really rely on especially in speaking with uh, sponsor teams and that kind of stuff. Well, right now it, it's going well, I would say. We, we managed to attend a few uh, training camps at the moment. We're going to have some more in, in January. Uh, last year was, was bad, yeah. We, we couldn't really travel, you know. There's no way to interact with athletes, their, uh, the, the technical stuff. So we, we missed some of that. Uh, also because we were introducing some products that uh, they they had seen at the beginning of the process. But now when we had the products ready and we needed to introduce it to all the riders to make sure they they, they, they try it, they know about it. Uh, 
uh, it was difficult, you know, like you, 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 when you work with team, you kind of have to market your product. You, you have to allow them to understand what's the, the, what's behind it. So usually we travel with our product manager. You can explain, you know, the benefits and what are the inputs. And of course, some of the athletes might have seen all these different steps, but if you can't do that, you know, it, it's kind of tough, you know, you can't just send a product and Hey, this is it. Like just use it, you know? You you, mm. you you kind of have to show what's what's behind it. Yeah. I mean, has that been a, a, a sort of philosophy that Physique have had since day one? I mean, you know, compared to some of your rivals, especially those kind of legendary Italian shoemakers and, and saddle brands that, have, you know, some of them are, you know, they've, they've been around for 100 years. You know, Physique is still a fairly young company. You know, you're in, what, your 25th year now? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if I think back to when, you know, I first sort of became aware of the brand. It was, you know, you 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 sort of made this big sort of arrival on on the road racing scene, um, especially with the you know the legendary Arioni, which obviously you know Simone was quoted as saying it was the reason he won the Giro was you know having such a great saddle, um, and then you you had this you know you were the first brand to have a kind of philosophy about saddle fit. You know, back then it was about flexibility. With when you came up with the chameleon, the snake, and the bull, you know, about about it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't about rider fitness. It wasn't about, you know, um, how good a rider was. It was just literally how flexible you were, you know, and you had guys in the pro tour on, on each one of those models. I mean, um, so, so that kind of technical approach was that, was that always the idea about what physique was going to be? Well, like physique, uh, you know, started in 1996. So I would say compared to some other brands, it's relatively uh, young, I would say, especially in the saddle, in the shoes category. But it was branching out from Celle Royal Group, which is a company who's been around since the 50s. So they were, Physique already was leveraging on an expertise on producing and designing saddles. Of course, with Physique, the intention for the company was to approach a, a more performance-oriented product in a different market. So when you approach this type of like audience, things get more technical. You know, it's a performance product. With that product, you, you, you need to perform and that's typically winning races, right? So the level of detail is it, that it is required, you know, into that product, it's, it's much more sophisticated, as I said, you know. Uh, of course, those are products that also need to be marketed you know, and I think at the time, uh, the spine concept was a, was a very effective tool. You know, it's was relatively simple to understand and was addressing people to a set of choice, which is a, a challenge many riders and cyclists need to face, especially when, when they want to change their saddles and they have spec on their bicycle they bought, you know. So at the time, the, I mean, I can already say it before, of my personal experience as a rider, because at the time I wasn't with the company, but you know, the possibilities that you had was like going to a store and having someone suggest you or, or drive you towards like a set of choice. Right. And there wasn't really like a, a very, uh, spread, uh, spread bike fitting culture, you know? So at the time it was like kind of in between, you know, it was a level of sophistication, you know, not that deep, but still was addressing people to a certain choice. You know, you want to have a flat saddle. That means you're more flexible. You can move around or you need more support. 
uh, and in that case, a weighted saddle works for you. So it turned out to be a very effective uh, sales tool, I, w- I would say, but also a communication tool. And that's where all the animals came into place. Uh, so the chameleon, the snake, and the bull. So it was really straightforward, and I think it worked at the time. But we need to consider that at the time, physique was really focusing just on road and road racing. So the, the, the scenario, it was already like specific, I would say. But since, uh, well, more than four years ago now, we started to look at the, all the different cycling communities that we have, all the different experiences you can have on the bicycle. And now we include the gravel, mountain biking, and, you know, triathlon and many different shades in between these segments, you know, like mountain biking can be many things, you know, like gravity, adventure, trail, you know, and same goes for gravel, gravel adventure, gravel racing, uh, all road. So there's so many different experiences you want to get out of riding a bike. And we need to understand those in order to deliver it through our product, you know, it, like the saddle is a complementary part of the bicycle. You know, it's one of the main contact points. So, of course, the, 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 the riding experience that the bicycle manufacturer uh, has designed for the rider comes also from the saddle. So we need to make sure, you know, those two elements, they dialogue, you know. So you need to have the right geometry, of course, that comes from the frame. But if the right contact point is not consistent with that experience the designer has, has fought, you know, it does work. So... It's a level of sophistication that is much higher. So, and, and it's a complicated matter. And, and, and it's, uh, the risk is to oversimplify it. And that's kind of how we evolved our approach also towards uh, the market. So towards people that need to buy our saddles. And we understood that we needed something a little bit more sophisticated than that, you know? So that that's kind of, the reason why we, we, we were progressively moving for a very simple concept that worked at the time for the, the, the current uh, segments we were approaching. But now with much wider scenario, much uh, more different shades of riding experience, you know, we need to be a little bit more sophisticated and precise in addressing people to the right set of choice. I think also another aspect is that people are more knowledgeable i think today you know it's much much easier now to retrieve uh, information about the product read uh, videos and review so typically we see people are much more well informed you know compared to the past so we we see people showing up at uh, the bicycle dealer or going to a website with a really like a clear idea of what they're looking for you know so also in our communication, we can be a little bit more technical, a little bit more precise, because we, we know that people will get it uh, if you explain it in the correct way. So it, it's always like a fine line between being simple and so people can get it and, and, and make the, the settled choice a, a simple process. But at the same time, we need to be accurate. So it's, it's a balance between the two. You know, you, you kind of have a spectrum that goes from, I go into a store, and I'm not assisted and I go to the saddle rack and I just pick a saddle that works for me based on whatever I find, the information I find on the packaging. And on the other side of the spectrum is I go to a bike fitter and I get all of my position dialed and I take all the variables 
you know, into consideration. So right. you really need to understand where you want to place in between this spectrum. Yeah, and do you think as the as physique has um, you know sort of diversified out into all these um, different areas of the sport, and, you know, in all these different disciplines, do you think um, that has you know that's had a, a doubling effect of kind of you know kind of returning back and re-influencing you know those those original kind of concepts those original designs because you know from what started out as a brand with effectively three shapes you've got a whole multitude now you know there's you know the mountain bike specific saddles there's um the short saddles for the road there's the triathlon and all those sorts of things but it it you know does all that r&d just end up feeding back in and and you know do you think you're you're making a, a much much better product now you know or or are you just making a wider range for a wider variety of, of riders? Well, I think if I look at it from an inside perspective, it's all about getting to know our communities, you know, our people, really understanding, you know, what people that get on a bicycle is looking for, you know. So for us, in the last two years, we really worked on, on spreading that message within the company just to make sure that everyone who's involved in the process of developing a product really understand who eventually is going to use it, you know? So that really what drives us, you know, we, we talk a lot about technologies and, you know, functional aspects, but I think technologies is just a way to enable solutions. But really when you, where you need to start is that what's the writing experience I want to deliver through this product? And that ultimately address and trickles down into functional aspects. So if I see our saddles range now, it's much more purpose specific, you know? So like I would assume that today, so in the past, and I think still today, you, you get people that they use the same saddle in all the different bicycles they use, whether it's a mountain bike or a commuter bike or a racing bike. I, I feel really comfortable with one shape and I use it across all the different saddles. So we think it's probably is not the case today because it's a different bike position, you know? And that, of course, drives to, well, I probably need a different saddle for that. Or, again, what's the riding experience? You know, if I'm, if I'm racing, I probably want a lightweight saddle, much more stiff, stiffer, you know, so I can transfer the power, whereas I go off-road in a long distance, maybe I want a more compliant shell, a little bit more support, you know, on the lower back. So it, we imagine that today, if you have more multiple bicycles, you're probably using different shapes of saddles to complement the riding experience of that bike. So that's probably what I, what I see and, and I see reflected in our range today. So now we have saddles specific for e-bike, you know, or trade riding or for gravity or for uh, triathlon. Um, even in road, we have different interpretation of the same shape, you know? So we, one of the last uh, introduction was our short nose saddle, Argo. Argo comes in already three varieties, uh, one for gravel, one for racing, and one for more endurance. So there are subtle different changes. So the overall shape is always the same. It's a short nose saddle, same dimension, the cutout is kind of the same. But one is a little more waved. The other one is a drop nose to, to allow the, the rotation of, of, of the pelvis so to get in a more aerodynamic position. Another one has a different density of the foam, which is a little bit more progressive. So subtle differences 
to complement really that writing experience we want to deliver. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I mean, you mentioned um, talking about the, the kind of uh, the padding systems of ultra in between the bikes. I mean, um, one of the, the biggest advancements we've seen recently, and, and you, know, you guys were the first to the market with it. I know Specialized have, have their own take on it, but the, the 3D printed, you know, the adaptive padding, um, do you, do you see that as, as, as the future of, of saddle design, you know, or is that something that you're really going to in- explore or do you think it's always going to be, um, at that premium end, it, you know, will it ever be scaled down into, you know, uh, across ranges rather than at the moment of being super high end, you know, cause personally I've, you know, I've used the, the adaptive for, well, since you sent me one and it's, uh, it, it's, it's phenomenal. It's a revelation, but obviously it's extremely expensive right now. Yeah. Well, I can't really tell if it's going to be the future for all saddles, you know, but of course the, uh, the 3D printing technology allowed us to do something that wasn't possible before, you know, it was a change of paradigm and it was enabled by technology, as I said. So typically when you have a new technology, a new disruptive technology, like, like 3D printing, so of course at the beginning it comes to a cost, you know, but uh, it, it's like... It's like a cat chasing his own tails, you know? Like, uh, the, the, the more saddles we're going to sell, the more the system is going to be uh, available to everyone, the more the technology will progress, and the more it will become cheaper. It typically uh, happens with all technologies, you know? There's like a curve. But what we are really happy about that we managed to achieve, uh, probably compared to our competitors, is that we already are offering different price level, you know? So the padding is the same. So the kind of benefit that you get out of the 3D printing padding is still there. But combining different type of shells and rails, we can break it down to, to different price points. So, and then ultimately makes it more accessible. So like our vision is the possibility to bring these kind of benefits to, to everyone. Of course, it's a much more sophisticated uh, um, solution. So, of course, that usually requires a little bit more effort on our side, a little bit more costs involved in, in, in this exact solution. So, I think traditional saddles with foam, polyurethanic foam like we use, are still going to be there because not everyone probably needs uh, a 3D printed saddle. Depends what you do. But the more you ride, the more kilometers you, you spend on the saddle, uh, the more problems you might have because sometimes, you know, riders just need to compensate some of their weaknesses and that ultimately translates into comfort or discomfort on the saddle. Well, if we can help on that, you know, with a new technology, well, of course, the 3D painting, you know, it uh, really, really helps. So in case you have specific problems you need to address or you just need to be and pay a little bit more attention to that contact point, the 3D printing solution will allow that. But if you're going to be much more generic, 
on saddles, probably just a, a right saddle fits fine, you know. So typically we try to address problems with, you know, so saddle, saddle comfort, it's, it's a multi-layer problem, you know. So there's positioning of the saddle first, shape of the saddle the second, and then you have the chamois, and then you have also skincare. So there are many different levels in which you can work in order to achieve comfort, right? So saddle positioning comes from education, right? So you have assisted, are assisted by somebody who can place the, the saddle correctly in terms of tilt, fore, aft position, that kind of stuff. Then probably the measure, you know, how wide is the saddle that usually is typically addressed through a knowledge of what's your pelvic uh, distance. And then saddle shape, you know, do I need a shorter, longer, uh, cutout, uh, channel, uh, waved, uh, drop nose. Next level is what's the density of the foam, okay? What's the position I'm going to have on the bike? I'm going to switch position. So that's when 3D printing comes into play. So right now, by having multiple zones and the different response of the foam, we, we can make sure the saddle respond to body pressure in a different way according to the part of the body. So I'm rotating forward, you know, I'm pushing on the soft tissue. I get a different response of the foam in that area because it's softer and has a little bit more give. Whereas I have more support, it's a little bit more firm uh, on the ischiatic bones, all seamlessly within the same material. So you see like the level of sophistication is a little higher. And now, of course, since we're talking about 3D printing, and each padding is produced individually, technically speaking, we could make a padding which is almost like customized, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe I need, uh, I, I have some symmetries that I need to compensate. Technically with a 3D printing padding, you can do that, you know? Just, now it's just a matter if, I, if we need to see like the future to bring this possibility into a mass production, mass customization process. You know, yeah. So if, if you ask me the future, that's what it's going to be. But it depends on where I need to get in order to achieve my comfort. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of dialing it back from that kind of much more technical aspect on, on you know, physiology, etc. Um, one of the things that I have, have noticed over kind of recent seasons, especially on Physique's new product, is that there seem to be details brought in that... that um, could only have come from people that are actually right. You know, it's like the saddles don't seem to be being designed by, by you know, uh, engineers working with, with you know, anatomists, as it were. You know, I, I'm thinking like really simple kind of tweaks, like on on the on the new gravel saddle. You know, retaining that pressure relief channel where, but unlike quite a lot of other um, gravel aimed saddles with a, with a channel in the middle, you know, you don't get a wet backside because you've closed the hole, you know, with a, with a soft rubber, but then you've also brought in a, you know, a drain channel. So when you're out riding in a rain, which we do in the UK a lot, you know, that, that channel doesn't fill up and get, get soggy, you know? So, I mean, are the guys behind, you know, of your team there putting these saddles together and bringing these designs, um, do you all ride? Are you all, you know, are you all heavily involved in, you know, the whole cycling culture sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a joke, but we always say, you know, like if you want to sell it, you have to live it, you know? So of course, you know, a lot of people within the company are cyclists. 
themselves. And that really helps, but we need to pay attention because sometimes, you know, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that we rely on, on just on our knowledge, you know, because otherwise the risk, especially for a product manager is to design a product for himself, which is not what we want to do. But instead, the fact that you're a cyclist uh, helps you understand what the, a rider means when you interview him, you know, for example. So it, it, it's that level of empathy, you know, we, we understand, you know, what you look for, but we're still seeking a lot external feedback. So right. by, by talking with professional racers, you know, but just also regular riders, just being among riders that really helps us understand, you know, what, what they are looking for and maybe thinking about solutions they, they don't, they can't even imagine, you know? So that's one yeah. part of the aspect. In terms of like external feedback is also important because we, we can't know everything, you know? Like we, we have a certain expertise within the company, which is maybe we, we know how to design things and make them good looking. We know how to manufacture things because Physique still produces own saddles. We have a factory just behind our offices, you know, so we have an industrial expertise. We know materials, maybe we know engineering and all that sort of stuff. But we can't, we can't know everything, you know. We, we, we might not know everything about bike fitting and sports science. So that's why we need to open up to the outside and get input. So, so that's why lately in the last few years, we really opened up in order to welcome external inputs from the outside. You know, so, so I think the magic happens when you put around the table, people from different backgrounds to think about the problem for which you currently don't have a solution. That's when things get very creative. And I'm talking about engineering stuff, you know, you can still use the word creative. Because you, you, you get some inputs from people, you know, you wouldn't expect. Uh, so if you have a, a, at the same table, like a sports scientist, a bike fitter, maybe a pro athlete and a designer, you know, it forced everyone around that table to think as a designer would towards a, a problem. So this is really, uh, this is really like fun, you know. So it allowed us to, 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 to find solutions that are different than what we probably would have come up if we were just thinking about it just on our own. So, and that's where collaboration with bike fitters come into play, sports scientists or just material experts or, you know, some other parties that are bringing something, you know, yeah. on, on, on our, uh, yeah, on, on our table. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, from my point of view, from, you know, sort of following physique over the years, I think, you know, probably even more profound change in, in, in your product is, has been in the shoe lines. You know, I mean, because uh, thinking back, you know, I, I was on the launch of, the, you know, the first ever physique road shoe. And I think pretty much everybody there was like, they look beautiful. They fit well. They're astonishingly stiff. You know, and it was kind of, uh, and I think that that kind of whole, you know, super stiff, super light shoe was just part of the whole zeitgeist back then. But but the latest generation shoes, I've been using the new, um, 
the new uh, Infinito knit with the dynamic arch support, um, the 2.0 version, with a cut, basically a cutaway outsole. You know, so so uh, for there for anybody who hasn't seen it, you've got a big front plate where the cleat goes and everything, and that's just as stiff as it needs to be. And then there's almost like a spine going back to the heel where you've you've cut out so much material, and so the shoe feels stiff underneath your pedal where it needs to be, but your whole foot doesn't feel overly restricted. I mean, and that's quite a radical departure for you know for any any shoe manufacturer to to completely change what we consider to be an outsole. You know, uh, you know, how did you end up going down down that route of you know making it such a fundamental change to the way shoes look? Yeah. So the, the the shoes you're referring to, it's uh, it's actually this the Stabilita. It's uh, one of the latest, Sorry. yeah, one of the latest models we, we have introduced. And uh, well, that one again, the the idea started when one of our paper pattern makers, you know, people that really work on the construction of the shoe, was talking with uh, a, a bike fitter we collaborate with, you know. So and. So of course, like people in shoe development, they know everything about making a shoe, but don't necessarily know everything about feet, you know? So when you combine those two knowledge, you know, that's when the, the, the you know, new disruptive solution come up, you know? So we, we were speaking a lot about how much power transfer uh, is, of course, related to stiffness of the outsoles, but three, that's really like a consequence. What, what, what we really need to achieve is a foot stabilization. So you need to stabilize the foot. And usually that means stabilizing the, the medial arch. So of course, that's part, one part of our body that can be different from one rider to another. Maybe you have a high arch, lower arch, but all the shoes, they, they usually typically have the same outsole, right? So that's when uh, insoles, custom insoles come into play, you know, to meet that arch and, and give the right support and stabilize the foot. Because of course, when you're pedaling, uh, the foot is like a connecting rod, you know, it's like simple biomechanics. So if we were, let's say, designed for, for bicycle riding, our feet would be completely stiff. Instead, they flex a lot. There's a lot of muscles and nerves and little bones, you know, because we're meant to walk and run. You know? So usually we try to compensate, the typical solution to compensate with a very stiff outsole. But still, if the foot doesn't really meet perfectly, that outsole is still going to move. So that translates into efficiency, loss of power, right? So the idea was, what if we make like an outsole that actually tried to meet the foot? So as a result, we have a, 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 an outsole which has a bigger katao in correspondence of the medial arch and, and the upper really it's connected to the bottom and it fits directly into the adjustment system. So by, by uh, pulling the boa and tightening the boa, that upper kind of wraps around the medial arch from the bottom, right? Okay. So in its solution that really works, yeah. So that's a sort of, you know, uh, is that like an evolution of what you, seem to be testing testing the design with when you brought out power strap with the you know the opposing straps going over which effectively was trying to wrap the shoe closer to your foot it seems to me like this is a big evolution of that and uh, and a big step forward to be honest yeah yeah it's it's similar you know the, the power strap i think 
it's really uh, about giving options for people, you know? Our feet are shaped, come in many different sizes and shapes, right? So it, it's, it's hard to design a, a shoe that really works for everyone. So at the beginning, right. when we had just a few, uh, few styles in our range, that's what you get, right? But now we sell more shoe. That means we, we, we sell to more people and the variety of, of those people increases, right? So it, it's good to give options for people, you know? So if you don't like the boas and, you know, maybe you experience in some certain configuration a pressure spot, power strap can be, you know, an option. Some people like the power strap the way you can really cinch down the straps and get that locked-in feel. So, and we see it with our riders, you know, there's no really like a pattern. Uh, some of them decided to, to race with the power straps, some others with the boas, some others with the stabilita. So it, it's really about, I would say, giving options. Now we also have wide options in the range, which is, you know, I, I remember reading the first review when I joined the company, you know, like people online complaining about how slim all the Italian shoes they fit, you know, and how much the cleat positioning was in the right, in, in the wrong spot. We really worked on all these aspects in the last few years. If you see all the the, the outsoles, they, they, they're all different now. They completely changed what was in the range before. We also changed our last, so it's a little bit more accommodating. Uh, and we have wide options as well. So now we, 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 we allow, uh, yeah. there's a possibility to, to set your cleats much further back, which really is consistent with the evolution of the, the position of the rider on the new bicycles and the new generation of bicycles. As I said, wide options for people that have really mm-hmm. wide feet. Um, so yeah, as we become a bigger brand in terms of like volumes and, and we have more disciplines that need to be, we need to be a little bit more specific. Okay. Right. I mean, is that, uh, those options are, oh, if they're, the, the new outsole, the new cleat positioning, offering more adjustment, and especially like the wide fit. Uh, is that does that feed back to? Because um, it seems to have, have come, those both of those things seem to have come about with the kind of the, the long term relationship you guys have had with Movistar. I mean, it, it, is it as a lot of it come from feedback from 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 you know your 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 pros as it were? Yeah, I would say at least part of it. You know, so. Yeah. Of course, if you if you rely just on racers' input, you know you're gonna end up with a product that probably won't work for some people, right? Yeah. So they 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 are they have some specific requirements. You know, their goals is to you know just just winning basically, right? But th- that's not really what everyone is looking for when they go for a ride. And I think it, it's really it's really nice to see today that also in terms of bicycle designs manufacturers they come up with something alternative before you know you have a pro athlete that wins we need to sell that bike to everyone even to the weekend rider you know but now it seems to me that a little it's more we give more options to people you know it's good to buy a bicycle that is designed for comfort but still high performance you know Mm. I think performance not necessarily means racing and, and winning, you know, like performance yeah. just means like be very effective when you spin pedals, right? So, yeah, Movistar comes into play for some input, 
yeah. Uh, but we rely a lot of on testers. We have a very wide tester programs in which we try to have different profiles of personas, which they need to describe overall what's what's our customers. You know, mm. um, we get feedback from people in sports science, as I said. You know, maybe they don't ride, but maybe they 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 see some problems. You know. Uh, and also, you, you need to take into account that it's, it's not always like extremely easy to work with athletes. You know, there's a, a, a moment of the year in which they are more available. You can talk with them, uh, and maybe you can test a few things. But then, for the rest of the season, they are focused on racing. So there's no you, you can't like show up and expect them to to try a new prototype, right? You, yeah. you need to involve them much further like much ahead of some, right? And maybe we use the winter to test some of those products. Hmm. So that's why on top of like professional athletes, we also have professional testers, I would say. We have testers of all, of all levels, but we, are, we have a, a more restricted group of, we, we call them like pro testers. And usually those are former athletes. So that right. means they have the same mindset in approach of an athlete, current athlete, but maybe they're just retired or not as involved in racing, so they can test pretty much everything we need to. Because sometimes we, we like we rely a lot on iterations. You know, we might have an iteration of the prototype, which is just one couple of weeks from one another, right? So we, we have a product we test it, and in a couple of weeks we have a new prototype we want to test it again. You know, so we need to have somebody who can test really that shoe, even. No matter how rough and you know not precise the shoe is, we need to we need to get a first feedback in order to address the next phase of deve- development. You know, so yeah. it depends on what level. Then, when you get to the final stage, maybe they are involved in the in the beginning to get the right inputs. We develop, we do some iterations, and when we, we get close to a final product, maybe when we are at eighty percent, then we go back to Movistar or whoever athlete we sponsor. And that's we and that's when we get uh, the final validation, right? So that that's okay. typically how how it works. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess that 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 sort of brings me on to um, onto onto the, the the most recent thing that you've done on the off road side on the the Gravitar range, you know. And it, it seems like from from what I've read and and what I've seen, you seem to work really really closely with um, Cesar Rojo on that. You know, an ex world class rider, founder of um, Uno Bikes, and you know, uh, but he seems to have a, have had a much steeper involvement. I mean, was that because you needed to to um, get as much expertise as you can into a, a a kind of a style of riding that physique hadn't really touched upon before? Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I think the Gravita project. It's it's a typical example of what what I was describing earlier. You know, the fact that we really wanted to open up to the outside seeking inputs, right? So in, in Cesar Rojo, it, it's like the typical, really untypical, I would say, personality to involve in a project because he's a former racer, so he knows about riding a bike, but he's mostly, he's also like an engineer, right? So he's like really a tech guy. He knows materials, works with carbon fiber and, and bicycle design, right? But he doesn't know anything about shoes. Uh, on the other hand, if you put him on the table with somebody who knows about shoe manufacturing, 
And if, if in that table, you put also a former racer that had been uh, a team manager as well, and a professional tester who's Bernat Gardia, that's when the conversation becomes really interesting. And of course, like we didn't want to make an entry in, 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 the, in the gravity segment without bringing something new. So we were already at the table discussing, you know, what's the status quo? Does it, does it make sense what we see out there? Or is it just an evolution of something we've been, you know, really accustomed to do? You know, if you see like the design of like mountain biking shoes and gravity shoes really inherits a lot of traits from old school skateboarding shoes, right? And then it evolves into very grippy outsoles and everything. But if we were to design a shoe from scratch today, the way the sport is today, how would it look like? We see like downhill and enduro becoming much, much more performance sport, right? Not, not that before it wasn't, but if we see the preparation of the athletes today, I mean, I don't see many differences from any other sports. The, 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 the time they spend at the gym for, you know, athletic and, and physical preparation. I mean, yeah. races are won by splits of seconds, you know, like, Right now, they really care about, you know, how lightweight is going to be the bike, how stiff are going to be the rims. You know, we have carbon fiber rims, you know, like 10, 10 years ago, it would have been crazy just to think about it, right? So if there's so much attention to performance aspect, why shouldn't it be also in the shoes? Why should, should we ride the shoes that are, you know, really bulky and, and sloppy in the fit? If I can give, you know, that extra, uh, I would say, marginal gain to get a little bit more power out of a out of those pedal strokes that you put right after of the uh, 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 right outside of the starting gate or right before crossing the finish line you know, when you're cranking up you know if we can give you that small advantage would it make the difference well if you add up probably yes so that's where we identified you know weak spots of weaknesses you know the shape of the shoe make it more lightweight give it a little bit more protection more performance fit, you know? Can we like streamline the shoe and, and, and get to use materials that are more high performance? So these are the aspects we worked on. And, and of course we came up with the design, which is, I wouldn't say disruptive because were, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's too weird, people will frown upon it. But if it makes sense and it's, uh, it works, yeah, that's, that's kind of our approach. So. Definitely, that's why our shoe, they look a little different. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it has been like a, a very fun project. And you can see how everything we are, performance, uh, performance focus and design, making something that looks beautiful, can translate easily into mountain biking in gravity yeah. specifically, even though we were a road brand. But really what we pro put in is our approach, not really like our knowledge of like road cycling, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. I mean, I, I guess um, I've probably been kept far too long already, but uh, I just wanted to sort of finish off with, um, you know, Physique as a, as a company now, you seem to, you know, you've got a, a really great understanding on, on contact points through the shoes, through the saddles, through the bar tapes. Do you see, um, do, you, do you see yourself expanding out into, you know, the other key contact points? So grips, as it were, you know, even, even bars, um, uh, you know, obviously part of the, part of the, the bigger group, you've got, 
you've got a company that makes pedals. Do you see a collaboration anywhere there to you know to to work on the shoe pedal interface, etc.? Well, there has been conversation with this regards, like since I joined the company four years ago. You know, like I technically, you know, like with physique, you you as a brand and what we represent, technically we could do everything, right? Like I, I if you ask me, I, I could picture. You know, even a bicycle frame, you know, branded physique because it would look cool. You know, you would already imagine you know, a very nice design. But ultimately, the, the choice, the, there's a combination of many things. You know, it, it, is it necessary? Can we bring something more on the table, you know, in, in that specific market? You know, there's, a, there, there's business opportunity. Does the brand fit? Do we have the expertise? Uh, there are many answers, you know, many questions we need to ask ourselves before moving into a, a new category. Um, and focus also. I mean, we're, we're not a huge uh, company. I mean, Celeroya Group is, but if you really see the, the brand team, you know, we're, we're, it's probably less people than you would think of, right? So if by entering a new category, that means losing focus on saddles and shoes, that probably the answer is not, right? Mm-hmm. We, need, we need to make sure we, we, we make it right. So if we if we can can own a category, you know, and have control and, and deliver a right product and have a good result, then maybe we are we're ready to to make a further step. So yeah, I think for now we tr- we're going to try to concentrate on what we are doing, you know, and and we'll, we'll see we'll see in the future. So of course, there are possibility of synergies with other brands of the group, you know. So knowledge that you can transfer, you know, from, from one container to another, you know, from one brand to another. But, uh, yeah, I think right now we've been extremely busy trying to, uh, transfer everything we are also in, in new segments rather than new categories, you know? So, you know, four years ago, like gravel specific shoes, the mountain bike shoes, adventure shoes didn't exist. And that's what kept us busy, you know, in the last few years and the same goes with the saddles. So there's, there's already like a lot in our table, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, um, Giovanni, thanks for, thanks for your time. That's been, been yeah. really interesting to get an insight into, into how you guys come up with what you do. Um, and, and keep on doing it because, uh, yeah, you do make some of my favorite saddles and some of my favorite shoes. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for the chat, Warren. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.